Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 103 of On the Flank. I'm one of your hosts, John George, alongside Joe Kirkpatrick. Say hello, Joe. Hey, everybody. And Joe, we have champions, the same champions as before. Um, the San Francisco Shock have repeated champions in the grand finals this year in 2020, as well as last year. We got our first back-to-back and we got our first, um, a bunch of first players with with two rings on their fingers now, Joe. Um, wow, it was a fantastic Grand Finals weekend. Almost every game was close, excluding any game that included the Philadelphia Fusion, unfortunately. <laughs> it is official. I mean, uh, uh, wait, and first of all, I'll uh, point out you totally called it. Kind of, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> not, maybe not totally, but um, at least out of the two of us, you were the one that uh, did have shock uh, there to win the series or to win the um, grand finals. I mean, yes, yeah, such a really good weekend, absolutely. Yeah, uh, I mean, I I had a feeling my prediction was going to be right after the first game when they beat Seoul and Seoul almost reverse swept them in that five game series, but they stopped them in that final map. I was like, yeah, this team is just. You can tell they're coached way better than any other team here immediately. And it's just hard to see them losing. They're so good in the clutch. They're so good in these big situations. They approved it once again this year. They didn't need Sinatra. Even with the rookie ons uh, on DPS the whole time, it's still the same team. It's still the same coach. Fantastic performance from the San Francisco Shock. But if we want to just quickly go through the rest of the bracket, we can. Um, and I guess we should talk about Fusion first because they are at, at the beginning of the bracket pretty often. We could talk Fusion Dragons and Fusion's dynasty, Fusion Dynasty. Um, and uh, Both series they got 3-0'd and didn't look great. And the first map for Fusion uh, looked pretty good, actually, versus the Dragons. Um, and then after that long pause happened, something happened to this team. I don't know. Um uh, there are a lot of theories around. I mean, they didn't bring EQO and someone else. Um, uh, Chipsa, of course. <laughs> Chipsa, which Chipsa probably didn't matter as much. But I- I'm going to argue right here, Joe. I think EQO would have mattered a lot in this meta because there was a lot of dub- double sniper and EQO is their Hanzo player. And they didn't bring him. Yeah, um, I mean... <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, Ivy, Ivy can only do so much uh, when it comes to... Um, and, you know, not that Ivy's not a good player, but like when it comes to those projectile heroes, I mean, that's you know, that's uh, what they brought EQO in for. I guess that was all the way back in season one. Uh, was technically he was brought in to sort of replace Shadowburn, but um, but yeah, not a, not a great look uh, against uh, against Shanghai. Didn't um, take a single point after that first control map, um, um, and it was a little bit better against Soul, but. Uh, but yeah, it is, uh, for for the team that I uh, uh, very explicitly said more than once um, was probably number one or number two out of these four, um, Philly was definitely not playing that way um, uh, in, in either of these matches, which was super unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, if if Philly goes down with a fight here, I wouldn't blame them. If Philly actually gets points and gets maps at some point, I would be like, yeah, these, especially after Seoul went all the way to the grand final, be like, yeah, these other three teams are nuts. Um, but Philly just didn't put up a fight at all. It was kind of embarrassing. And 
yeah, I, I can't give them any credit this time. Like I, I agreed with you going in. I think Fusion was one of, was one of the top teams for sure. Uh, but yeah, they just didn't bring it. I really do think not bringing EQO was a big big mistake. Um, and I think they just didn't bring them uh, for financial reason, reasons. They didn't want to fly them over and have to um, pay for flight, all that stuff. So, um, I mean, I don't blame them. I don't think they've had to use EQO that much towards the end of the season because um, I don't I don't remember seeing him too much since Hanzo was last in the meta and lots of Hanzo this weekend. Unfortunately, you can't predict that stuff, you know, so just stinks. Um, you definitely could argue that they should have probably brought their whole team. I mean, they have a great roster with great depth. So, um, yeah, sucks for them. I'm sorry, Joe, that your team was unable <laughs> to put up any any sort of fight this past weekend. I I feel bad about it. I feel bad for the team. I was rooting for them. So. Yeah, um, it was... Uh... Uh, you, you, you know, people point out, well, you know, oh, shock brought all their players despite uh, uh, hardly playing. Um, well, that's not true. I would say they they hardly played very many, but uh, they certainly didn't play everybody on the roster. But, uh, uh, but yeah, no matter who you brought, I mean, um, it, it is rough. I mean, there's there's another season that uh, um, not finishing, uh, not finishing top three, even obviously. Uh, with the, with the loss to Seoul, um, if if we had to like <laughs> you know narrow stuff down, pin uh, pin on causes, I mean there's there's it's one of the things we've said about um, uh, you know Philly enough in the past, or <laughs> what I would hope would be enough that we've said it um, about. Um, uh, flexibility and and inflexibility, um, and when to when to stay with what's working and when to try to mirror and um, yes, yeah, some of it was you're right. Some of it was compositional stuff, and um, you know whether they would have been uh, more prepared, um, um, taking more of that into account is hard to say. But um, yeah, I don't know. It, it, uh, you know they played both the. Uh, both the Asian teams, if they had played Shock, you know that maybe that would have been different. I don't know. Uh, there's, I guess, a lot of what ifs for this uh, weekend, but it's it's uh, it's crazy. Yeah, um, but also just ima- I don't know. Imagine if Philly had won, and EQL and Chipso just weren't there to celebrate with the team. Like it's moments like that. It's like seeing San Francisco celebrate, and their entire team is there on camera celebrating together. I would just be so sad if if EQO and Chipsa couldn't make it. I think that's got to hurt team morale. Um, you got to be, if you're on the fusion, you got to be thinking to yourself, that could have been me. They could have just left me behind. I could have just not been flown to Korea, um, which is sad. It's, it's, it's super sad. So I think that's a little bit of an organizational mistake. I don't know how much better fusion would have done with EQO there. Um, but I do think it's the wrong choice in the end. Uh, I think it's a clear greed money move, um, unless there is part of the story we haven't heard yet. So, from what I can see now, I don't like it. Uh, but yeah, as far as the other three teams go, these three teams all competed with each other throughout the weekend and looked fantastic while doing so. 
um, and put on a show. I mean, I mentioned that first game and saying I thought the Shock was going to win after that one. I also, after this game, thought that the Soul Dynasty would be in the Grand Finals against the Shock. I really did. I was like, oh, shit, like, profits here, gestures here. This is playoff profit, baby. Um, and my God, did they make it all the way to the Grand Finals and look great while doing it. Um, but before I talk about Seoul, let's mention Shanghai real quick, who 3-0'd Philly, obviously. And then we finally got that Shock Dragons game, and the Dragons just came up short um, in a 3-2 series. Uh, they went down 2-0 early, and then they won the next two maps and then lost control, which Shock, Joe, was a very predictable team this weekend um, because all their matches went the, went the same. They won control, they won hybrid, they lost... 2CP, they lost payload, and then they won control. <laughs> um, that's just how they did it. And then, of course, in the there was one more map in the Dynasty Finals, and they won hybrid again. Undefeated on hybrid maps, undefeated on control maps, winless on 2CP, and winless on payload the weekend. Um, so, very consistent team here we got with the Shock. So I don't know what... <laughs> at this point, I'm questioning my... Um, analysis of this of the dragon shock match by just saying well i maybe shock is just really bad at um 2cp and payload and that's why they lost the maps to shanghai because uh, at this point I, I i just put all the blame on shock there are champions um but what do you think about the shanghai dragons uh weekend joe obviously they lost that game to shock and then they ended up not being able to pull pull off that win against soul in their final two maps of the series, they looked pretty bad too, honestly. So dominated Dorado and Oasis. Yeah, it's one of those things. Um, uh, yeah, you're looking with a really strong start against Philly, uh, obviously only allowing uh, one point in that whole series, um, and always pulling out the reverse sweep against Shock. That was, it was a super exciting match to watch. Um, you know, just in terms of the, the raw success there. Um, Excuse me, but yeah, then <laughs> then face and soul, uh, yeah, it was not was not as good. That's that's definitely for sure. I think um, um, definitely the well, I don't know what definitely, but um, <laughs> the the Shanghai Soul match. Obviously, that was the third match of the day. Uh, I, I don't know how much of uh, you know a factor that might have been, um, but it was like I had mentioned um, uh, at. In last week's show, I said, you know, whoever finds themselves playing in that match in that position uh, will have already played a series that day. Um, in this case, it was um, Shanghai going directly from was it was it Shanghai? Yeah, it was Shanghai going directly from uh, a loss against Shock in five maps, um, and then played another five maps against Seoul to lose. Uh, I mean, you know, that's that's gotta be tiring. That's gotta be that's gotta be draining on yourself. Uh, you know, once you get to the end of a of a ten map stretch, you know there there could be some performance issues, I suppose. Um, um, uh, but but yeah, I think you know on the other hand, um, you're right. The soul is just um, you know whatever whatever change that happened, um, not even not even since the play-ins, but since you know the end of the season and including during the play-ins, um, that's. Um, that these players, you know, turning on, uh, showing up for, for these guys here, whether yeah, whether it's profit or gesture or uh, support lining, creative, um, and, and that kind of stuff. It's 
just a really good soul team with with the, the heroes that they're playing and and all that and uh you know early season that was a lot, that was a, a frequent qualifier we had with soul was which i have to say you know oh well with with this composition they're playing well and in this situation they're playing well um uh, there's 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 arguments to be made that that's uh, that's also the case still here for soul but uh, you know regardless they're playing really good overwatch um uh, this past weekend that's definitely for sure oh yeah played fantastic overwatch i mean at that point i know a lot of people were like ah, i want a philly in this i wanted dragons in this i didn't want dynasty in this um and at that point i was like well dynasty deserves it i they have been playing fantastic they look really good and i really like the storyline of of uh profit profit and gesture coming back into the grand finals once again to try to get their second uh championship as well um versus the shock who wanted to get their second championship so i thought that was really interesting overall at the end of the day seoul just straight up outplayed shanghai looked way better on those last two maps yeah, especially gesture gesture on hog looked fantastic he was enabled so well by his team just destroying everyone um and profit looked great all weekend unfortunately they could not pull out the next match against san francisco shock the first two maps um i woke up early i woke up early of course to watch this i remember seeing and being like yep shock looks pretty dominant so far and then the next two maps uh soul looks really good some great strategies on hanamura i, I think shock kind of messed that one up by by not switching off the comp they were on and then full holding san francisco shock on their defense just looking absolutely dominant on watchpoint gibraltar um to bring the series back at even but then of course uh they unfortunately have to play the maps types that uh, Shock are undefeated on. They get stomped on Busan. But then, honestly, Map 6 Gibraltar, are not Gibraltar, Hollywood, I thought it was a super winnable map for Seoul. On offense, Shock only got two. They were able to hold them at the, at the third point, not, get, not let them get to that finish line. But Seoul just fumbled on that offense big time. Um, they, they were just... They were taking too much time off the clock, taking their time, not being urgent at all whatsoever, not playing with dominance like they were on that defense, in my opinion. And the shock just came up on that map. And as a result, I, I really do think that last map was a throw by Saul. I thought it was very winnable for them there. Uh, we could have had a map seven, but we did not. The shock repeated uh, championship and um, striker was our grand final MVP. Um. Any insight from this match, Joe? Any moments you liked watching the most? I mean, this was this had to be our best actual final yet, right? I mean, the other two, uh, one was a sweep, and then the other one were, I was, I guess, one three one, and then one three zero, because that was back in the best two out of three match era. Um, oh yeah, and, yeah, you're thinking uh, like actual grand finals, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, super good match, absolutely. I mean, um, even all the way back at uh, map three of the series, Shock's up 2-0, uh, uh, Soul gets to pick the Assault map, and they pick Hanamura. I mean, that was notable, even in even in and of itself, uh, uh, that until until this loss to Soul, uh, Shock were undefeated on Hanamura for something like, on the order of like 400 or 500 days. Uh, so this is like a year 
almost going on a year and a half um, before, since they had lost at all on Hanamura. Uh, which, you know, super significant there. Uh, uh, you know, just, like I said, in and of itself, that map pick. But, um, but yeah, the... the the uh, map type order certainly certainly notable at least uh, like you said shock winning uh, hybrid maps and, and control maps uh, and none else <laughs> this entire past weekend uh, you, you know there's there there could be arguments made about you know is, is that a problem does that need adjusted does that need change somehow um, um, but I mean at the same time you know uh, <laughs> you, you, uh, that, that's that's how that's how Excuse me. That's how series are won. Um, is is picking up that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, shock. Uh, is certainly after this past weekend, really hard to say they're not um, the best team in the league. Which I mean, uh, I <laughs> winning winning grand finals will do that for you. But uh, but yeah, super excellence. Uh, and I guess I don't think we've said explicitly. Uh, Striker got Grand Finals MVP because uh, mm-hmm. Striker was popping off. Um, if I had to highlight another player, it would probably be um, uh, Moth. I think particularly playing lots and lots of Mercy uh, uh, through these series um, and just really getting uh, good success with that. Good success with the Resurrect, um, that kind of stuff. But uh, but yeah, that'd be um, shocked taking it and. And uh, rightly so, as far as that goes. Oh yeah, um, very fun finals. Very, yeah. Shock. At the end of the day, like I said, Shock just has the best of everything. They have the best management. They have the best coach. They have some of the best players. At the end of the day, this this team is going to be looked at. It's got to be looked at by every other team in the league, and they got to say, "Well, I, we need something like that." We need good coaches, and I think, I think Krusty has just proven in these three years, no matter where he was, Boston, perfect stage, um, looking really good, took this team to the playoffs after a rough, rough start to the season, coming to San Francisco, winning one championship, second year, you lose the MVP in Sinatra, does not matter, you repeat um, with a rookie, rookie DPS and Ons, I mean. Yeah, people have got to be looking at 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 Krusty and saying, "Well, we got to find the next this guy. We got to find a coach like him, uh, who is somehow just able to bring together whatever team he is on." Um, he's wor- he's dealt with so many different players in these three years, even though he's been on two uh, on the same team for the past two years. He's he's brought in so many new players. It doesn't matter. He's able to fit whoever he can whoever is on this team into the roster and into this organization and it's really impressive. Um and I, I think it's pretty clear how important coaching is in the game of Overwatch, how important teamwork is in this game as well. Uh so I think Shock is clear proof of that two years in a row now. Um that you don't really need like a superstar DPS or someone to carry you uh, in, uh, on this team, even though I think Stryker was as close as you could get to a carry on the shock. He was fantastic this weekend at some point carrying literal maps, uh, especially all the control maps when he was able to play tracer. So yeah, yeah this, it's just nuts. Go ahead, Joe. I was just gonna say, yeah, you don't need a DPS carry when 
every player on your team is just really good. Yep. <laughs> uh, the you know that's that's the only flaw in that plan is that you need you need all that kind of support to to back that up too. But uh, I mean, hey, you know, roster building season, uh, F5 season, as they say, um, right here around the corner now. So. Yep. Um, and it's it's going to be exciting. Um, only other thing to mention is um, I guess I won. I won points this year in our picks. Uh, I did have Shock winning the whole thing, and Joe had Philly winning the whole thing, which didn't bode well for Joe's points when Philly <laughs> immediately got knocked out. Yeah. So, and, did, um, and you even uh, uh, predicted the score, too. You said it was going to be 4 yeah. 2. Yeah, I did. Uh, I just had a feeling it was going to be a 4 2. Um, and I was correct, but yeah, I, I guess as far as like the matches go too, they had a cool, like virtual set type thing I thought was pretty cool. Oh yeah. Um, it yeah, was cast- like, it was like yeah. a giant Lucio ball stage or something. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, it was a nice way to showcase the cameras and stuff like that. Um, yeah, fun, good casting and stuff like that throughout the weekend and, and, good uh analysis stuff like that uh nothing too special but you can't do you can't do much special uh in a quarantine or a remote finals it's it's hard to do obviously so um overall I, the season's over and we're i think later we've got a little reddit um thing we're going to go over to talk about improvements for next season which will be exciting and I guess we can talk about our thoughts on the 2020 season overall then um, and what improvements we think we need. Oh, yeah. Uh, but but anything else you got to say about the Grand Finals before we move into the news, Joe? Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. Super excellence. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, Striker's good. Moth's good. I think that was, <laughs> that was just about <laughs> what I was going to highlight or uh, what I had in my head to highlight. Should have just read off the entire roster. You should have been like striker, good, Ons, good, Violet, good, Profit, good, Jester, good. Oh yeah, Violet was nuts too, especially when he tweeted <laughs> when he tweeted, "I must win" or whatever, like um, the day before or something, oh. and he just started destroying. It was a very scary picture, and he clearly <laughs> really wanted to win. Um, but yeah, overall. Um, I'm not too surprised, obviously. I picked the Shock to win. Um, I think there needs... It's just in these situations, it's hard to pick against them. Um, but let's let's head up. Let's head on to the, into the news. Of course, we're full off-season for most of the teams. Uh, so they had a bunch of pickups and drops and stuff like that. I mean, I guess no pickups yet, I don't think. Um, Boston Uprising has dropped Halo and Mikey. Um... As far as someone uh, who works for Boston, I mean, I think these both make sense. I I really enjoyed working with both Halo and Mikey. They're nice guys, even though we we had Mikey for a lot shorter, and he he played a couple times, but not really that often. Um, I think he I think Mikey was mostly there because Boston we needed more players throughout the season. So um, now that we're in the off season, we'll have more chance to I think look at and more players. I think we wanted to free up the roster a little bit more to try to possibly welcome more players. Um, and maybe even some more Korean talent now that we have Lori. So I, of course I don't, 
I'm not speaking for the management of Boston <laughs> Uprising because I don't specifically know what we're doing. I'm just guessing. Um, yeah. Maybe my guess will be a little bit better, but I, I literally don't know anything about what we're doing. Um, I found out about this news at the same time everyone else did. So You didn't make the graphics or anything? <laughs> no, I did not. I am not. I don't make the graphics. I just make videos, and we did not make a video for it. So. <laughs> there you go. Yep. Um, Gladiators dropped LH Cloudy. Um, no other tanks dropped, and it looks like Gladiators might just. Uh, you th- last week you thought maybe uh, Gladiators that that's all the, who they're going to drop, but apparently they are going to just keep dropping throughout right now. So might not be over for the Gladiators yet as far as dropping goes, but um, yeah, Cloudy. I remember Cloudy like starting over OG at the beginning of the season, but. Um, that quickly got out of <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that quickly happening. stopped. So yeah, I, I think makes sense to me, um, especially if they want to keep OG. So yep. Um, some player Boombox Moth announced they were free agents on Twitter looking for team, and then they quickly realized, oh, it's not free agency yet. <laughs> um, yeah, basically. Um, Players thought free agency started this week, but no, player trades started this week. So teams can now trade players if they want to. Uh, they're giving them a little window before free agency starts to trade their players. Um, but free agency starts next week. So I'm sure we'll see... Uh, Moth had to delete his tweet. I'm sure we'll see a looking for team tweet from Moth once again next week. And of course, always keep in mind that does not mean that Moth is just off the san francisco shock forever um he is just marketing himself so he can make so 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 that shock will possibly offer him more money um because they want to keep him i didn't realize they had made uh they had made him delete his tweet i just knew there was uh like there were people confused because uh about like the difference between free agency and just that shock had dropped Uh, him yeah, uh, no, he. I don't know if anyone made him or if he just deleted or he himself. He did, yeah. Um, but I think quickly after John Spector tweeted, like I think Moth tweeted that out, and then Spector was like, "I want to quickly just let you guys know the difference between free agency and trading here." Um, yeah. And then Moth deleted it, or someone made him delete it, maybe because. Yeah, I assume Moth just deleted because he was like, "Well, no one can pick me up right now, anyways." So I just going to tweet this again when I, when they actually can. Yeah. Um, so, yep, we'll keep our eye on that. Obviously, no trades have happened quite yet, so we have nothing to say as far as that goes. Today, um, Florida ended up losing a lot of players. Saya player Chris Byram and Karayan. Um, four pretty, I would say, pretty important players to their... I mean, they've all had especially Saya player, hugely important player to this organization. He's been on this team for a while now. Uh, so that's kind of a, a sad loss there. Um, and I was talking about with my coworkers that, that this was like one of the teams that I was like, well, are, I don't expect them to really change much. They did really well last season. Um, but apparently they are changing a good amount. Uh, losing four players there. They're down to five active players now. They're left with BQB, Fate, Gargoyle, Yaki, and Gangnam Jin. All five great players. So I think they kept um, some correct ones there. 
Um, but yeah, well, what do you think about these these drops? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, um, you know, Florida, uh, Florida Mayhem, obviously no stranger to 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 big roster resets. Um, but yeah, I mean, they definitely. Uh, this is, definitely was uh, a much better, much more productive season for them than uh, than we've seen in the past. I don't know, uh, you, you know, or, or at least to the point where I don't know that a you know sort of new roster strategy like like we've <laughs> like we've wanted them to implement in the past is necessarily required um, during this off season. So yeah, I don't know if it's. Uh, so like that individual you know decisions about individual players can be made but like you know it's not uh it's not a postseason one thing where oh we're gonna go all all korean now or it's not a postseason two thing where now we're really gonna go all korean <laughs> or you know whatever uh, uh that they, they don't need they don't need to be that drastic i don't think anymore which is nice yeah yeah, it's definitely nice. I, I definitely thought, I mean, the two previous years, obviously they like have cleaned up their rosters after the year big time. Did not expect it to happen again this year, but yeah, four players gone. Um, I, I think they have more of a direction here they want to go, and I think they just want to improve a little bit more. Definitely in the playoffs was, I think at some point they really peaked, and then they kind of just went down, and they just weren't competing they were able to compete with top teams at some at some point, but then at some point they were just stopped competing against Fusion and Shock and all of them and actually putting up a fight. So um, they got knocked out by Washington. <laughs> yep, <laughs> which which is the case for a good amount of teams. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think they just want to keep pace with these top teams, which makes sense. Um. All right. Uh, we got contenders representation in game soon um the actual contenders uh account on twitter has tweeted out uh this thursday they're going to actually announce this stuff happening but obviously you can see in game basically that uh the overwatch contenders uh icon is a player icon now uh and there are a bunch of skins in the game contender skins just like you can get um, Overwatch League team skins, it looks like you're going to be able to get Overwatch Contender skins as well, which has been asked for for a while now. So uh, lots of people are going to be excited about this. I personally don't think I will buy one, especially if it costs tokens, which would mean I actually have to buy one. Um, but I, I'm glad that it's going to be there for some Contenders representations, some uh, better marketing towards Contenders so people know it exists. Yeah, and uh, at the moment, it looks like it's. Um, it looks like we're just talking about the um, uh, like green and white like broadcast skins rather than um, skins specifically for. Uh, yeah, not for teams. Like specifically for teams, uh, but yeah, even then, I mean, you know, it's uh, certainly good exposures. It's a matter of, uh, you know, well, what if anything is are you going to do with them? Yep. Uh, it'll be i think it's good i mean you might as well it's definitely in game so they might as well just let people buy them (laughs) i mean that's just some money they're gonna make um but uh the overwatch uh halloween event started uh yesterday actually halloween terror returning and i think this is 
the in my opinion the best set of skins that I got for for this hollow for the Halloween event. I, I really like almost every skin that they have released here. Yeah, it's super um, nice. Um, but Joe, if you want to go over those patch notes real quick, I, we do have some hero hero changes as well. So we do indeed. Yeah. So in addition to uh, Halloween Terror, uh, uh, they've got the event up and. They're doing the traditional thing where you can get nine wins um, uh, every week and get some cosmetics. So the first week is based on a somber skin. Uh, Phantasma, I think, is the name of the somber skin, uh, which is kind of nice. Second week, I believe, is a stone uh, brig, which is super nice looking. Uh, there are all supposed to be uh, purple skins. There are all supposed to be epic skins, but I think that one particularly uh, could easily mm-hmm. be a legendary skin. Um, and the, uh, third week is, um, I don't know the name of it, but it, it's Echo made up to look like a, like a, like a, like sewn doll. Like, like a uh, rag doll. Yeah. Rag doll, I think is the name. You're right. Um, anyways, it's super cool. Spooky. Um, yeah. So you can get your nine wins, uh, for that event. Uh, they brought back Junkin' Sands Revenge. Uh, surprise, surprise. <laughs> um, there's a, a couple uh, new modes though uh, that you can do uh, every week they're going to release two new different ones so the first time you can play Junkin' Sand Revenge um, with a, what they call a challenge mode where all the enemies move faster or where um, there's a the vengeful ghost that'll like chase you around the map um, and I think it, every so often it just randomly switches targets and so you just have to uh, not let it get close to you Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the thing that you can do also as you're trying to get your wins um, the uh, improved profanity filter from the PTR is now on live uh, you can filter different levels of chat uh, with friendly mature or unfiltered uh, language settings so that's the thing um, the elevator changes also went through to live so if you're playing on Hollywood and Volskaya uh, elevators stay at the bottom uh, until somebody gets on them, and then they sort of shoot you up to the top uh, much more quickly. Uh, help remove a little bit of the RNG there. Uh, there's a competitive team deathmatch season three is a thing if you want to play that. Uh, get placed, get a, a spray and a player icon and that kind of stuff. Uh, and some of the other PTR slash experimental changes that have been uh, or that have gone through recently. Uh, uh, are now also on live. So things like Reinhardt Friendly uh, Ultimate Voice Line uh, for the Crusaders when he uses Earth Shatter. Um, the Soldier changes um, with his bullet spread removed and recoil added. Um, uh, he also uh, lost a bit of damage. Uh, bullet damage reduced from 20 to 19, um, and his ammo increased from 25 to 30. Uh, it's Somber's Translocator uh, improved smoothness of her first-person camera when translocating short distances uh, to a translocator that is in view. Uh, I don't know what that means exactly, but uh, your, your your Somber mains are going to be smoother now. Uh, <laughs> uh, and Widow's Grapple Hook uh, will now bounce off of a surface if the distance between you and the hook is under 2 meters, uh, canceling the hook and not costing any cooldown. Um, I guess to help with uh, misclicks so that you don't waste your cooldown. So that's kind of nice. Um, and that's about it. 
as far as that as far as that patch goes so yeah we have again halloween terror is live through uh november 3rd there for an event gotta get i have to get all these skins they're all so good the diva one's my favorite but they're all so good um but yeah also great changes in the patch too i think the elevator changes are huge um and the soldier changes are really big he feels really good now so yeah that's a a great patch um and according to a report today um some scheduling has begun for the 2021 season uh discussions specifically with um the franchise owners in this league um and there's some interesting news in these plans here joe um very interesting news. So first of all, uh, apparently the fourth season is set to start in April, which is late uh, and very far away from right now. <laughs> that would be probably the longest off season we've had so far. Uh, very long. That's about six months. Half That's a true. year. Um, it looks like they're planning for uh, more COVID stuff to happen, saying that uh, majority of play... In season four, they're planning on it being separate by Asia and North America again, but they are expecting New York and London to return to North America. And due to that, it looks like they are aiming to incorporate Asian contenders teams in the actual league when they are playing those tournaments. So like May Melee, Summer Showdown, stuff like that. They are, in order to make it an eight-team bracket, they're planning on bringing in uh, top Korean contenders and Chinese, a China, a top Chinese contenders team, and then a wild card team into the fray, which is very interesting, Joe. I've seen a lot of mixed reactions. Um, but if I were a franchise owner in this meeting and had paid $20 million for my team and heard that someone who paid zero dollars for their team was going to be competing with me in this overwatch league i think i might be a little bit upset don't you think joe yeah i mean uh, i hadn't thought about it that way but uh, but yeah that's that's definitely fair i mean um the other thing i thought of was well um uh, i mean this uh, you know in theory um assuming it actually happens would be the first time that we've seen um uh, this kind of you know officially sanctioned uh you know more officially than anything else uh kind of competition between overwatch league teams and contenders teams uh you know obviously we did like element mystic versus vancouver titans that one time or whatever um but the, but that's not the same thing right yeah but um um what was i gonna say oh yeah but so that but especially if um with all this talk we've had in the last month or so about um, particularly in the last month or so, about, well, these contenders teams would run circles around these Overwatch League teams, and, <laughs> and you know, the, the scrims are much more even than, than people think they are, and and all this kind of stuff. I mean, if that ended up being more of the case, and I guess, granted, that was... Uh, I feel like what we've heard about that was a lot more based on NA results, or in NA Overwatch League teams than... Uh, teams that were located in Asia at the time. That's probably fair to say. But um, but I think regardless, that if if that ended up being true, I think uh, that would be another 
a big reason not to want that to happen if you're a if you're a team owner you know to to try to maintain this kind of uh you know that um uh, if if tier one overwatch is supposed to be tier one overwatch you can't let yourselves get get run over by contenders teams it's gonna look bad uh uh it's gonna look bad for you as far as that goes but um it's super interesting for uh, you know for like a, a spectator's perspective but uh, but yeah, I think uh, you're right that the this is, you know some of the the team's interests necessarily uh, might not uh, might not be as big fans of that. Yeah, um, but you also I don't know there are things I, I do honestly I would expect some contenders teams to give Overwatch League teams run for their money. But I think there are good reasons for that. One of the reasons being there's a big rule in the Overwatch League that Contenders does not have, and that is that to be in the to play in the Overwatch League, you have to be 18 years old. There are lots of people under 18 years old who are pretty damn good at Overwatch. I I gotta be I don't know if the question would be if these teams play the teams that end up being able to play in these tournaments would they just have to sit anyone who is under 18 to make it fair (laughs) like it's it's kind of unfair if the overwatch league teams can't play or couldn't even pick up some of the players good players on these teams because they're too young but then all of a sudden they're getting beat by this team that has the player they wanted but he was too young (laughs) um it's stuff like that that i think gets way too complicated and this is still in the early early talks, so I think I think this might be killed. Um, I think there are too many logistical issues, and I think the owners would be fairly upset. Um, but it doesn't. North America owners, it doesn't matter. I don't think it matters for them as much, and I think I would see them getting a little bit more pissed. I think maybe the owners of the Asian teams will be more likely to be like, yeah, give us some competition. We're all about promoting the um, contenders teams as well, promoting contenders and promoting that competition. So maybe we see them allowing it. Um, but still, it's I, I'm interested in seeing what they do here. Um, and yeah, and I think this is mainly obviously because of COVID restrictions, which are now going to be um it looks like they will we will need some more restrictions going into most of 2021 as well so it stinks but that's the state of the world right now um obviously people i think a lot of people wish we could see in-person matches a lot more lately and we could see these asian teams play against north american teams but yeah it's not looking likely joe unfortunately um, but as far, I guess we could talk about the April delay as well, because I think, um, well, first of all, I think a big obvious reason could be COVID as well. They want to start the season as late as they possibly can um, so that they can possibly get some in-person events going. But I've seen other people theorize maybe Overwatch 2, obviously online BlizzCon's happening in late February, I think. If I remember correctly. Yeah, it's like the 20th or something. Um, I think Overwatch 2 would be set to come out sometime in March then. And maybe they would want to wait for Overwatch 2 to come out before they start the league this year. Uh, so I think I think that could be a legitimate reason there. Yeah, that would be interesting. 
because uh, I mean, uh, you, you know, my initial thought would be, you know, that would be sort of a quick turnaround to to go from, uh, you know, to change games and then you know you only have a couple months to, uh, to, to get into it. But then at the same time, I mean, they do that for like Call of Duty and stuff every year. <laughs> it's it's, yep. it's a completely different game, and they change like gameplay elements, and then, um, but you still compete on it. Yeah, and it, yeah. I guess it wouldn't be wouldn't be different enough that uh, you know it wouldn't be different enough for some of those to actually be issues i guess yeah Bar- barring some huge changes in gameplay wise which it seems like we won't get based off what they've said as far as the competitive side of the game goes um i, I think it'll be mostly the same game competitively just looks nicer better graphics so and at the same time everyone has the same disadvantage everyone's going to I don't think they're going to give it to the San Francisco. You won. We'll give you Overwatch two before everyone else to practice on. I think everyone's going to have it at the same time, um, and I think everyone will be happy to be playing on Overwatch two as well. Um, so uh, hopefully that is a sign that Overwatch two is coming out early next year. Obviously, COVID could have delayed things longer. We'll see what happens. But um, nine days ago, head coach of the Atlanta Rain, Brad. Um, went on Reddit and wanted ten bold moves to. St- he he gave us ten bold moves to say Overwatch and the Overwatch League. Um, and Joe thought it was a good idea to talk about all of them on this podcast, and I agreed. Thought it was a great <laughs> idea. Um, so let's go through all ten right now to finish off this podcast. To uh, I I think this is a good way to like recap our thoughts on not only the 2020 season but just like where we think it should go going forward. Obviously, um, on the North American side of things, viewership I think it's fair to say has dipped all three seasons as far as the numbers Blizzard is giving us as, as in the Chinese and Asian numbers. They have gone up every year, so. Um, I think we're obviously a little more biased being from NA, seeing those numbers, seeing our friends and stuff like that, not talk about Overwatch as much. So, um, but let's talk about it anyways. The first two, I think, are pretty similar and very agreeable, in, in my opinion. We can I can hear your opinion on them, Joe, but um, first one is the most agreeable thing I've ever... I don't know who would disagree with it. It's Activision Blizzard needs to invest more into Overwatch game development obviously um it's yeah um i think overwatch financially has not been supported as well as other activision blizzard titles for sure like i think for sure they're not getting as much money or developers as other other titles in blizzard and 100 percent, i think they do need more developers and more like they're not they're not able to put out content fast enough which has been a problem throughout the entirety of Overwatch, Overwatch's history. Um, so I 100% agree with that. Joe, you got any disagreement here with this one? Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess I don't know what I would, what I would <laughs> add to that necessarily. Yeah, I don't think there's anything else to add. Like, yeah, obviously, we need... I think that's a big one. Next one, which I think is definitely a little bit more debatable is Activision Blizzard needs to consider a free-to-play model for Overwatch 1 and Overwatch 2. Um, which I think is always on everyone's mind. Most of the big esports are free-to-play. Um, in fact, like only Call of Duty and Overwatch, both owned by Activision Blizzard, are not free-to-play. 
Um, and they are two big esports who um, obviously get a lot of players, but there's arguments that they obviously could get a lot more. Rocket League just went free to play. Um, there's Battle Pass is just a huge, easy way nowadays to go free to play and still make money every single uh, month or two months. Um, I think it's the I think it's the right move personally. From what we've heard of Overwatch 2's payment model, it doesn't seem like they're going free to play. Um, but Joe, what what are your thoughts on free to play? Um, do you think they could still do it? They've obviously their main concern was like they want all the heroes to be available to everyone. Do you think they could still do free to play while letting everyone own all the heroes? Uh, yeah, it makes sense. Uh, I think, uh, particularly because we know, um, number one, we know that they intend for Overwatch 1 to still be a thing. Uh, they're not going to kill off, you know, whatever the distinction ends up being between Overwatch 1 and Overwatch 2. Um, they're not going to kill off the original game. Um, we know that much. And we know, um, uh, um, I, I, we we know that Overwatch Two, uh, um, based on the information we have, is going to come out with this sort of uh, hybrid um, PvP PVE kind of model, um, where where there's uh, you know the the normal normal competitive play with other players, but they also have the single player missions uh, that you can replay and find upgrades and all this kind of stuff. Uh, available as well and i think um it wouldn't be <laughs> with with all the extensive knowledge that i have about game design and business and all that um it wouldn't seem completely out of the question from my perspective to uh you know once overwatch 2 comes out you can um uh, you could either um you know charge something for you know for like Overwatch two, the game completely, um, and make whatever Overwatch one turns into free to play, um, whether that's you know whatever the distinction ends up being, um, leave leave your good content um, in a, in a in a paid model, and um, and your <laughs> your leftovers in Overwatch one um, go free to play. That you could either do that. Or you could even go a step further and say, well, um, the the esports model, the, the 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 like you mentioned, you know, League of Legends, um, <laughs> all these other esports that I can't think of um, off the top of my head. <laughs> um, you, you know, lots of them are free to play. Whatever we have this, we have this model, we have this precedent. So why don't we um, leave the uh, PvP Overwatch uh, free to play? And still keep the PVE content um, behind a paywall, which again, there, I think I've, I feel like that, that's not a unique idea to me. I feel like I've I've heard that um, thrown around by other people as well. Um, but um, you know, similar it, to what Fortnite does too. Fortnite okay. has a PVE. Oh yeah, as that's well, true. That is under paywall. Yeah. That, that you never hear about because no one buys it because <laughs> it's just so, Fortnite Battle Royale. Might not be the- yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's true. But, um, but yeah, I mean that's an option as well, right? To to keep the PVE or keep the PVP free, um, you you can pay for the single player missions. You can pay for the 
or you can pay for the upgradable whatever um and so with, with the first option you know you can even pay for the upgraded graphics and the the new hero looks and that kind of thing um um but um but when, it's, when we're talking about growing player base and growing matchmaking base and that kind of thing you know that's something that can be accomplished uh by taking sort of the the base Overwatch one or the or the PVP elements of Overwatch one, um, taking this free play that makes sense. Uh, going completely from all to nothing, I think, would be uh, not a not a great idea, and particularly with all the hype that we do have um, about uh, about Overwatch two. Yeah, it's. I'm excited to see. Obviously, I think. I don't know. I think what they have announced so far of what the payment model of Overwatch 2 is going to be is kind of interesting and could work. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Anything could have changed. It's been, it's going to be more than a year when we hear more about it. So many things could have changed by then. Um, But let's move on to the next point. Uh, he says the homestand model needs to be scrapped for online or studio slash on live plus online plus live tournaments. Um, which I hope he means online uh, just because of COVID. Because if <laughs> I don't know if there was no COVID involved, I would 100% be like, hell no, no online tournaments. I'm not about that. I, online is not as fun as live. Um, but I. His main point is about homestand, let's be honest here, which I think I agree with. Um, but it would just be it hasn't. This might be more down the line because there just hasn't been a full year, a full chance for this model yet. Um, we have we obviously got half a year less than half a year of it. So I don't think they're just going to scrap it. I think the next opportunity they possibly can get to do it, they will. But I have a feeling, Joe, that the best format or the close, the thing that we maybe should get the closest to is what we had in season two in 2019, where we had some of those home stands. We had one per stage um, and maybe they can retinker with that idea a little bit more. Um, just to make sure that the city-based thing makes sense, so that that fans around the around America and around the world are getting to see their team that represents their city. Um, but also, like, I'm missing that studio, honestly, and I'm missing that one central place they play at as well. Um, and I think it might be a better way to to get more fans first. I think they have to dip their toes into the water of each city before they're like, okay. We're going to be playing a lot of home games here now. Everyone better come to every single one. I think they have to like first sort of have one event every year in that city and then people will start coming and stuff like that. I don't know exactly what to do. I'm not an expert at this, but I think I agree with the general sentiment of this, which is homestands probably won't work financially um, right now, which I agree with. I think down the road, they possibly can. But I think maybe less homestands, more in a central location, could be a benefit for sure. What are your thoughts, Joe? Yeah, I think um, I think that makes sense. I know one of the one of the things that um, uh, that Brad highlighted in this Reddit post uh, again was also some of the information that he may have heard about um, 
uh, homestands not being profitable for the teams that were hosting them, um, which obviously isn't something we would um, directly know necessarily uh, from our perspective. I'm trying to think, did Atlanta ever host a homestand? They might have had one, maybe? Yeah, they... Uh, or two. No, the only one... The only one they had was actually in that 2019 season. I think I don't think they ever. They didn't have one this got, year. I don't think they got one in 2020. Or yeah. had one. I don't think they. Maybe they did, but I don't think so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, anyway. So that kind of experience that we wouldn't have necessarily had access to might be, uh, you know, might might be something worth considering. But. Um, but, but I mean, yeah, to, to go from, I agree with your point that like they, they haven't really plumbed the, the homestand model dry yet. Um, cause again, like you said, they, they haven't, they didn't actually like do anything with it yet uh, as far as that goes. Um, and so it, it's rough to say, well, um, you know, we should, we should just abandon it completely. Um, but I mean, you know, whenever, whenever, whenever the time is that they can jump back into the homestand model, uh, I, I think we're we're looking uh, for sure past season four um, would be my guess uh, before before something like what they attempted to do this year um, is able to be possible again um, the, the, on the same scale on you know whatever. Um, uh, and yeah, is that is that something to work towards? Absolutely. I know um, the teams are invested in that too. I mean, uh, whether it's you know Philly building uh, building a stadium, and other teams have done that too, uh, and working on working on that kind of stuff and all that. But um, uh, but, but yeah, I think um, <laughs> I also agree with you that the the online tournaments, uh, you know, something to be avoided if possible. Uh, I mean, if if uh, if the NBA could have a bubble, maybe they can have an Overwatch League bubble in LA, <laughs> you know, next season. Um, and just yeah. bring every bring everything back to the Blizzard Arena. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, I, seeing that article and they're planning or COVID to be, or they're planning next season to be similar to this season. I now that you mention it, like, why aren't they doing that? I, I think that's an obvious choice where you can do something similar to what you had in the first two seasons of your league that basically was a bubble before bubbles existed. Um, and, and there's, there's not, you know, it's not like you've got a bunch of physical contact between your players anyway. Um, yeah. So you, you don't, you don't even have to like, you can have individual team bubbles rather than a league bubble and still have just about the same success. Uh, yeah, I know. I, I don't know. I, I think it's super important next year that we actually get to see like, the shock and dragons play more often than we, we only got to see them play once this entire year. Um, I think it's stupid that they're considering like making, doing, trying to repeat this year because I, I don't think anyone would like this to be the way going forward. Um, I don't think we want the Asian teams to just be completely separate from the rest of the world. Um, so yeah, I don't yeah. know why they aren't considering a bubble right now. Yeah, the only other thing I can think of is well, um, it's the like the teams because the reason New York was in Korea, for example, the reason London was in Korea, is because like the players are from Korea, and so it was nice for them to be like at home. But I guess they probably weren't at home because they still had to be like with their team. 
So it's, yeah, I don't know. It's um, it's it's, uh, it's weird. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. Weird that they're not. I I hope they start considering a bubble because I think that's the. I want next season to be as normal as it possibly can be. I don't want them to have to try to fit contenders teams in this equation and all this stuff. It's just nuts. Um, Especially when you are used, you've had a format in the first two years of your league that was very similar to what the NBA is doing, did and what the NHL did for their bubbles. So I, I don't know why you wouldn't just try to go back to that. Um, instead of just being like, ah, oh, let's just go online again. Uh, because I agree. I think online is just not as fun to watch. Um, but let's move on to his fourth point. We still got a lot of points to go through. Um, but he, but Brad says um, he wants shorter off seasons and better structured mid seasons. So right off the bat, seems like you're not going to get that shorter off seasons wish, Brad. Um it looks like we're about to have our longest offseason. Um, but I think I've talked about it on this show before that I don't mind the longer off seasons, but I can agree that it should be they should be shorter. It should not be the six months that's gonna be here. I think four months maximum is good. I've talked about how Brad is Brad talks about how esports needs to be on all the time basically or people will just lose interest if it's just gone which I can agree with um, but personally as my personal take on this is personally off seasons make me more hype for the Overwatch League than less hype or make me forget about the Overwatch League in my opinion um it's always in the back of my head during the off season. And I'm always like, Oh, it's just around the corner and I'm excited. If overwatch league was on all the time, the entire year, I would just get bored of it (laughs) and games would not be as special anymore because they're happening all the time. So I'd just be, it just, they just wouldn't be as special. Um, and and overwatch, overwatch league has definitely had longer off seasons than the other esports. Um, but four months is that happens in a lot of other esports. Four months is a good off season, I'd say. League of Legends even has about four months off season, uh, even longer off season for teams who don't make worlds. So, yeah, I, I think it's, I think it is a bit too long right now. Could be shorter as far as better structured mid seasons. Yeah, as long as we don't make it too big of a break. If you recall in season two, I think there was literally. Between the last stage and playoffs, there was a month and a half break to the point where casual fans didn't know playoffs were on. They thought the season was over because it was such a long break. So as long as it's not too long and it's just like a week break here or there um, to help the players not feel overworked, I'm all for it. What are your thoughts on this one, Joe? Yeah, I think that makes sense. I know... um Obviously, the the problem with uh, you know mid season tournaments and all stars and that kind of stuff this year was uh, again for virus reasons. Um, um, but uh, yeah, to have I mean even the the layout of that you you can't really replicate anymore of um, of season one with you know you play for five or six weeks or however however long it was I don't even know. Um, five weeks i think five weeks of a stage and then they got like a week off um 
and they I think that's good. The, Don't know why we're ever change that. Yeah, <laughs> they did that in season two too, right? I think maybe. Yeah. Or, or um, to an extent they did. I don't. Anyway. Uh, but like, yeah, that that was successful, and I mean that that accomplishes uh, uh, at least some of the breaks that he's talking about here. Um, and you can you can put um, you know mid season stuff and all star stuff in that point. I mean, and the issue with that is you know that you have to plan that ahead of time, um, and you don't have the flexibility um, that you had in in season three here, where you can say, oh, we're going to take six weeks off to allow teams to relocate and then quarantine and um, you know that kind of stuff. But um, you, you know, so you have to you have to you have to plan ahead for that. But it's certainly still possible. Yeah, it's. I I agree with the sentiment of this point too, but I don't want things to get too short. I don't want. Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. I don't want breaks in the middle of the season to get too long. Uh, it's still got to be structured in a nice, in a nice way. Uh, the next one is bring back the gauntlet, but this time for all of Overwatch esports, which I, I guess they immediately took this idea to the yeah. franchise owners. <laughs> For the Asia. But um, yeah, basically he's saying that he wants something similar to League of Legends Worlds, CSGO Majors, stuff like that. A big world tournament where you take all the great teams in the world and have them face off against each other. Um, But my answer to this one is Overwatch League is that. Um, I don't know. Watching this grand finals, I was like, this basically is League of Legends Worlds. These are the best teams in the world facing off. Um, obviously contenders don't, teams don't get a chance to prove themselves, but this is like asking, this is like asking for there to be a world championship of baseball and have the MLB teams face off against the triple a baseball teams. I'm just like, no, like, I don't really want to watch that that badly. I think after one year of this, when the Overwatch League teams end up stomping all the contenders teams, People would be like, oh, that's why we don't do that. Because um, I do think contenders teams can compete with Overwatch teams. I still don't think they're better than them. I don't think any contenders team would have a chance against the San Francisco Shock, to be honest. I think the Shock would stomp. Um, I, I think this. I think he wants a big Worlds event like League of Legends has. But I think we had... I think World Cup was... Very similar to Worlds, in my opinion. I like the World Cup. I think that holds that place in in my heart. Um, and I don't think we need the gauntlet f- to include Overwatch League teams. I think the gauntlet is a great idea for contenders, in my opinion. I think they should just keep it to contenders. I think that's fine. Yeah, or, you, you, think, or you could do... Um, like they've sort of attempted to do in the past, you know, you play a gauntlet with contenders teams, um, and then at the end, you know, you have your your gauntlet champion, and then they can play, you know, a show match with, you know, season three champion San Francisco Shock or, you know, current Asia think- first place Soul Dynasty or whatever. Um, yeah. the, you you could do that kind of stuff with it, but yeah, I mean. Uh, yeah, the, I think even the gauntlet was, you know, in lots of ways that was supposed to be, I mean, because that was you know, that was international, that was multi-regional contenders um, in the in I think more of the way because I, I don't follow professional League of Legends but, like, in the way that 
I understand worlds to be that it's like yeah. you, you, there's, a, there's a bunch of regions and then they uh, work out their play together. I mean, that's that's literally what the gauntlet was. Um, and, and they had all these tournaments and all these qualifiers and um, anyway, and and you know the the fact that um, the fact that there isn't enough support in the contenders scene to be able to execute that event effectively should be the complaint and not well include the the Overwatch League teams that are being supported in that event. Um, as far as I'm concerned, yeah. Um, I, I do, yeah. I don't think they will go towards a gauntlet or like something like that. Maybe eventually we'll get some show matches here and there, which I think could be fun. But I, I really do think one year of that, and people will be like, "Oh, maybe we shouldn't do this." Um. Next point, I'm honestly kind of baffled by Joe because I completely disagreed this one. Um, he said, speaking of group play, which he was mentioning in that. League of Legends Worlds basically has group play. Obviously, World Cup has group play. You know that. Basically, you stick people in the groups and you have them do a round robin, stuff like that, to, to determine seating. Um, Brad wants that as well in Overwatch League playoffs. And my response is, that's called the season, Brad. Um, <laughs> group group play <laughs> is called the regular season. It enables more teams to play each other. We literally just saw the teams play each other in the regular season. I understand it maybe for this year, where we didn't get to see Shanghai Dragons play against Shock. Maybe that did deserve group play, because those teams legitimately didn't play each other. But in a regular season, where other teams are actually all playing each other at some point, there is no point to group play. It is it is included in Worlds, because we we didn't get to see TSM face off against Gen G in the regular season because they're in different regions. These teams are all usually going to be in the same region, playing each other once a year at least. We don't need group play. It ruins the point of the season, <laughs> um, in my opinion, because we they they and the top seeds are going to be pissed if there's group play if they have to be like, well, we just. I just played an entire season. I only lost two games, and now I have to play a round robin to prove that I'm the one seed? Didn't I just play 28 games to prove that? Um, I completely disagree with this one. I think group play is good. If they do a gauntlet thing, yeah, have group play. If they do World Cup again, group play is great. Um, but no, we don't need group play in Overwatch League playoffs. I disagree with that. Joe, are you are you with me on this one, or Brad? Maybe we could have a difference, an argument here. Yeah, I think in the way in the way we had uh, season three come out, that doesn't make tons of sense. Because um, you're right, season three we had you know tons and tons of essentially round robin play in the two regions. Um, they they had the regional tournament winners, um, and the. Uh, the, and the regional tournament winners got together and we played the playoffs. And it was great, uh, and that's and that's a thing. Um, I think if if we go back to the way that like um, uh, the, the season three was supposed to happen, where um, they were going to have all of the Atlantic teams play each other twice and play. 
the Pacific teams once, and then you'd have you know a three um, three match series against everybody by the end, and then you could see people and have a tournament that way. I think that makes sense too. Uh, I think it also makes sense because I, I think um, you know primarily what Brad is talking about here is like group stages in in playoffs, uh, which. Uh, which, yeah, I definitely agree with with your point about you know that's necessary if they haven't already played each other in the season. Um, I, I think if you um, wanted to have more pools or bigger pools, um, like we had this year, so like if for whatever reason there was a lot more play within um, you know the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference of or the Eastern Division and Western Division, or whatever it is, of, of Asia. Um, um, and there was, say, a, a six-team playoffs pool at the end of the season, or an eight-team playoffs pool at the end of the season. That could make more sense. Like, if you took the top two from North, South, East, and West, um, then you could do, like, a playoffs group stage there. But but the, the, the point being, though, that um, I think there there is there is room for that, uh, but not really the way this season shook out, um, and not really when the matches are uh, even, like um, I think we all assume that we want them to be, <laughs> in terms of like every team plays each other about the same number of times. Um, yeah, so I, I don't. There, there, there's 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 room for that, uh, but you got to be you got to be intentional with that. I think. Yeah. <clears throat> I definitely could see it happening if we don't get to see any of the Asian teams playing the North American teams again this year. But I think in I think in a regular thing, I just I just don't think it should happen. I think it just puts less emphasis on the season, unfortunately. Uh, number seven is um, bring do bring more do more to bring uh, player comms into broadcast, which I agree with. I think it was obviously tougher this year. Um, when everyone is working remotely as far as the broadcast team goes. I think they were doing it a decent amount the first two years. Um, but I, I do agree. I think I think <clears throat> most, we see those posts throughout the year like saying, hey, I want to see more serious team comms because obviously Overwatch League does hilarious like com- comms check videos. But we never actually get to see what real comms sound like. As someone who... Um, goes through comms every week to edit our videos. It's not that exciting. I'll tell you right now. It is. It's. I don't think you would. I think it would be exciting live, but I don't think you would want. I don't think you would sit down and watch a comms video after the fact. So I agree with this here. I think it's more suited for live. I think player comms would be really cool during the game and on broadcast to see what they're saying. I think it's hard to disagree with this too. Uh, I mean, the only people who disagree, he mentions, is, mentions it, is probably coaches and players who don't want everything they're saying to be revealed. Um, what say you, Joe? Yeah, uh, it makes sense. I mean, it's one of those decisions where um, you balance the uh, the entertainment value with the competitive, um, which we've, we've definitely talked about um, a, a lot in, in different contexts, um, uh, whether it's you know accommodating this season or whatever. But uh, you can't deny uh, that, that that's definitely uh, uh, definitely something interesting to see. Yep, 
Um, okay, number eight is begin the work of unwinding the YouTube deal and transform it instead into a multi-platform broadcast deal, which I can agree with. I mean, I don't know. So this is a part where we could talk about something I had an issue with 2020. Obviously, we moved to YouTube this year. Viewership was down um, as far as the North American broadcast goes. The Twitch stream would get a lot more views than what we saw in that YouTube stream this year. And I think my biggest problem is even though YouTube signed an exclusive deal, it seems like they don't even care that they have Overwatch League got an exclusive deal. It seems like they're giving more features to League of Legends, more features to these other leagues. I think it's ridiculous. Um, I think seeing stuff like that, seeing that League of Legends got in-game drops before you, I think you're all of a sudden going to be like, okay, well, now I kind of want to go back to Twitch. Um... So, yeah, I, I would agree with this one. I think exclusivity is bad for viewership, at least. Even for streamers, it's been bad. Um, so, yeah, I think it, unless YouTube just starts actually advertising your league and being like, well, it would help us a lot to make our money back that we paid to get the exclusivity here if we actually promoted this league, which they have not been doing. So if they start doing that next year... I'm all, I'm all for YouTube because I think it's a great platform still, but I do miss Twitch a lot. I think just keep leaving it open to a bunch of different broadcasts is, is the best strategy. Uh, what about you, Joe? Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, um, yeah, that the... Twitch was nice because you could get all these native drops and um, you could get um, the, the kind of consistency that um, you know, I think Twitch is probably much I don't know about much, but certainly more popular, I would assume, than YouTube as a gaming streaming service. Um, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, once you once you go uh, once you go uh, exclusive, that's sort of I'm trying to think of. Yeah, um, that that's. I mean, by definition, that limits you a lot. I mean, even to even to get drops um, this year, you had to not watch on youtube <laughs> which you know you watch through youtube but um you know that that's that's saying something i think if you have an exclusive deal with a streaming provider and then you have to encourage all your viewers to not watch on their site like to get the most out of your stream that seems a little counterintuitive i guess yep uh, it's the the move to youtube is confusing to say the least so far i I think at some point we all expected to be proven wrong, but we I don't think we ever were proven wrong about why we thought this was a bad idea. So, yep. Um, number nine is stop chasing the unicorn of perfect balance. Use pro players and coaches to help, to help stay vigilant against meta stagnation instead. Uh, this is mainly about uh, uh, the Overwatch developer team trying to balance the game. Um. Which I would agree with. They, I think, they're very focused on making sure they don't they don't make changes that um, make anyone too overpowered or stuff like that. I think they're afraid to make changes. Is the point? Um, they don't make changes very often because I think they're pretty afraid to make them. Um, and I think this mainly has to do with hero pools as well, which I know a lot of people don't like hero pools and. Um, we'll see if they bring them back next year, if they just completely get rid of them for for um, 
for balance changes instead. But I, I agree with this point mostly. Um, pursuit of perfect balance is just unrealistic. It, you can never get perfect balance in a game. It just does not exist. There are too many heroes. There are too many, too many things happening here. I think we need more changes and we need more of like an aim towards a meta and just being like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to patch. I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to buff Torb now. I think Torb hasn't been in the meta in a while. Let's get him in there. And then being like, okay, let's nerf him. Let's, let's buff this person. They, they deserve to be in the meta. I think it's more about that rather than being like, okay, everyone needs to be balanced. We need everyone playable, um, which is obviously impossible. <laughs> yeah. So, um, thoughts on that, Joe. And I guess you could go into hero pools too a little bit more. He doesn't mention hero pools that much in this point, but I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking about, um, uh, you know, listening to, to pro players and using statistics to kind of drive that kind of balance. Um, this isn't on a rundown, but I mean, um, hiring, uh, people like, um, uh, Captain Planet into the Overwatch team. I mean, that's uh, that was something that happened this past week. Uh, he's he's leaving uh, uh, the Overwatch League directly to go uh, do stats and and some business things for um, the Overwatch team. So not specifically um, exactly the same job uh, for the game developers themselves. But I mean, it's, it's stuff like that and people like that who are able to use those kinds of numbers and and find um the kinds of concrete things he was able to i think that's um you know a good pickup for the uh for the overwatch team generally but um yeah hero pools i mean um the yeah chaos chaos i think is, is a good way to describe that um it, it's it does make it harder to follow uh it makes it more interesting excuse me, makes it more interesting to follow as a, as a spectator, obviously. So, you know, every week, um, you're sort of guaranteed to see something different, but, um, but at the same time, um, the, yeah, it's, it's really chaotic to follow also, um, and, and staying on top of, of pools and, and that kind of thing. Um, I mean, they've, uh, pretty well, <laughs> pretty well phased that out as far as that goes. Um, particularly with, um. Well, all of a sudden I can't remember if two 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 came first or if hero pools came first. Um. Two 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 came first. Oh, it did. Okay, uh, I was I was gonna say they've pretty well phased it out with the introduction of two two two, but it's the other way around. Um. Anyway, but you know now that they've you know pretty well phased out hero pools relatively, um, I, I think they're probably safe uh, to maintain sort of. Uh, you know, at, at a minimum, the 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 balance pace that they've got uh, uh, without the hero pools. But it, yeah, it is a matter of um, um, trying to change stuff up. You know, not to a ridiculous degree, but to a to a reasonable degree, and and to a degree that pays attention to your uh, your competitive scene. And I mean, you know, the, the balance between uh, ladder competitive and professional competitive is the difference. Mm-hmm. It's tough. I mean, it's a tough job just sitting here talking about it with you. Is It's tough to think about what they need to do. Um, but last uh, point is actually just a fun little point. Not really one I think should be argued too much. Is loosen the grip on artistic control and partner with an outside music artist slash animation studio on an anthem. The way League of Legends does every year. Allow hero likenesses to be used. 
um, which uh, if if you haven't paid attention to League of Legends, basically they every year they've made like a world's song recently um, and included artists from around the world as well as like having an in-game set of skins called uh, KDA, which is a basically a K-pop band within the game. Um, And then they hired a bunch of uh, real artists to make a song for these in-game characters. Um, And I 100% agree with this. It's so hype every year. The songs are amazing. Um, And it gets like people... Like, it gets people who are fans of the artists interested in this game all of a sudden. Like, they see one of their favorite artists or K-pop artists singing a League of Legends song. They're like, oh, shit, maybe I should check out League of Legends Worlds this weekend because they're going to be performing live at it. The song they just made. Stuff like that. I think it's a fantastic idea. I think it's amazing. And the songs are so damn good. Um, 100% agree with this. I I don't know who wouldn't. Like, it's, it's just cool. It's just really cool. Obviously, the only downsides would be like it costs money. They have to give up their hero likenesses, I guess. I, I, I think it's just a hype way to promote uh, Overwatch esports like like Riot Games is able to. Um, well, yeah, Joe, anything to say about the last point? Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, it's a, a similar thing that I don't uh, <laughs> you know, have much experience with the way they do this for League of Legends. Um, uh, but, I mean, I'm not, you know... Um, uh, in principle opposed to the idea so <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's super cool um, but wow yeah that <laughs> that took longer I had a lot more to say than I thought I did um, that's good that's but that good. was fun yeah, yeah it's fun um, oh yeah Joe mentioned before the podcast that it's um, Carpe Mirror OG's birthday technically OG's birthday is tomorrow for us, but for him, he's in Korea, and it is right now. And it guess who who, who else's birthday it is? Joe, it's Uber's birthday as well. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, everyone's birthday is today in the Overwatch League. It's literally everyone's birthday. Um, yeah, it's it's hilarious. Um, which, by the way, Uber is a freelancer now, so um, we'll be seeing if Overwatch League resigns him or not soon. Hopefully, they do. Yeah, he he posted like a. Um, self-promoting tweet thing. Um, and I, I didn't realize. I mean, because you know, Overwatch was like how I got into esports, but I didn't realize um, all of the history he has with esports. Like he's he's done League of Legends and he's done World of Tanks and he's done a whole bunch mm-hmm. of stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, big time. And same with like watching Doa. Doa's over on in TFT now. Like, and you realize, oh, these. These casters ha- can cast anything. <laughs> um, they they have played a bunch of different games. They've played every genre. They they know how to ca- they know how to cast. So, yeah, Uber could be anywhere if Overwatch isn't willing to spend the money on him because I think it's going to cost a lot of money. Obviously, he's one of the best casters out there in general right now. So, uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see if he just freelances every once in a while. I I don't know. Uh, we'll have updates, of course, when we figure that out, but. Also, he's um, only 29. Yep, he is only 29. I, I would not I, have uh, guessed that. Yeah, um, he does seem older. He he seems like a grown-ass adult, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he's only 29, only in his 20s. Huh. Still a 90s um, kid. 
Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's got to be like 1990, right? Or 91, I think. Okay. But anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, making this long episode already longer by talking about what year Uber was born. (laughs) All right. Uh, Well, as far as the offseason goes, we still do podcasts. Sometimes we skip weeks when there's not enough stuff going on. It's going to be a long offseason, apparently, Joe. And no sign of, of a World Cup this year or anything like that. So we'll have to see how many episodes we do this offseason or how often we will, depending on what the news looks like. But we are still going to be out there. Of course, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that stuff, and get notified when we have new episodes. But we will still be here, despite the fact that the finals just ended and we've got a long offseason ahead of us. So, um yeah, I, I I decided I wanted to tinker with the social media closing um, and kind of scratch it all, Joe. I think I'm going to scratch the social media closing. I'm going to change it up here. Um, so exciting. Yeah, and basically just tell you to, hey, rate us on, on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play. Subscribe to us there. Thank you guys for listening, and um, we'll check you guys out next time.